All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Way of the Truth Warrior. My name is David Whitehead. I am very happy to be here with you, and I'm very thrilled to have the one and only Patel Patriot joining me. You can go follow his Substack at patelpatriot.substack.com. Be sure to also follow the man on Rumble. He does regular shows and updates and power hours and interviews. And uh, Patel Patriot, so glad to have you here on Truth Warrior. I have so many questions for you. Uh, let's try to get through as much as we can in this interview, but thanks for joining me, man. Glad to have you. Yeah. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this one. So well, let's dive right in. Let's do it. Well, before we do, I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Adam Riva at Dauntless Dialogue, yeah. who is producing a series, a documentary series covering your articles. So for those of you who don't really have the time to sit and read through everything, uh, go and watch the series. It breaks it down wonderfully. He's doing a great job. And uh, he also hooked up this interview for us. So thanks a lot, Adam. Um, but right out of the gate, uh, we've got so much going on. It seems like it's been a week of kind of bad news across the board. I, I live here in Canada. I don't know if you hear what's going on over here, but our government just passed more firearm legislation. They're moving in to restrict firearms. Um, they doubled down on their policy to not allow people who have not received the jab to travel inside or outside of their country. Um, and there's so many other things going on that really make a lot of people in Canada feel like there is no hope there, you know, it's, we're totally screwed. We should just flee. I don't agree with that, but, uh, and then in the American scene, we just had the Sussman trial or the Sussman, I guess he was acquitted of his charges, uh, yep. by a, a, a jury in DC of all places. So could have saw that coming, but I think a lot of people were hopeful that we might finally get some movement on justice yep. when it comes to a lot of these criminals. But just out of the gate, Patel, there's also been some positive news. Uh, we'll get to that. But what do you think about this Sussman trial and and kind of where all that stands? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I I kind of pay attention to the the Durham trial through other people. Like I don't I don't sit there and, and watch you know everything that Durham's doing. I didn't watch everything in the trial, but um, you know, I was paying attention to the key things coming out of it. I didn't really, you know, I I never really knew who Sussman was leading into the you know, before his indictment, not many people did. And, and even the, the normies right now, the, the people that were, we need to be focused on waking up, none of them know or care who, who Sussman is, Michael Sussman is. So he's certainly not a big fish. Um, I, I didn't really know what to expect from the trial in the first place. I figured being in DC, it was going to be, you know, we probably were going to, weren't going to get the results that we expected. Um, and that's, that's what happened. We, we didn't get the results we expected. We, you know, he's clearly guilty and he's still, he still got out of it, but but again, the, the key thing is is some of the stuff that came out of the trial and and why Durham went to the lengths he did. I mean, he he wrote a twenty seven page speaking indictment back in October just to lay out the whole thing. He laid out the whole conspiracy, and then in the trial, you know, he had he had Robbie Mook um, who came forth and and pretty much said, you know, this was Clinton. He had uh, Sussman going to buy the hard drives and then build the build the Clinton campaign that day. I mean. Um, th th there's a lot of, of good information that came out that shows this went all the way to the top. And, and that's where we want to see, because just because we lost this and he, he wasn't charged with lying to the FBI, I mean, the FBI was basically in on it anyway. So he, he probably didn't lie to the FBI, who knows? Um, even though that's probably not why he got, got off scot-free. It was more so just the, the courtroom and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I, I think we'll end up seeing him back in court. I wouldn't be surprised for a conspiracy charge or something down the road. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, I don't think it's it's anything to to hang our heads about. I saw a lot of people dooming yesterday over this whole thing, and I mean, we've been waiting for much bigger indictments and 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 guilty verdicts from from different 
individuals and we haven't even seen those indictments being unsealed yet and and cash patel has alluded to you know there are sealed indictments um you know along the way plus i mean we know the guy was guilty because in the pretrial stuff it was hinted at that he he tried to make a deal with with durham potentially about you know if i plead guilty to whatever and flip on some people but durham turned it down so it's i don't think it's it's as big of a deal that people are making it right now like it's it, it, we, we still saw a lot of positive things and there's still a lot more to come from this Durham trial so it, it just kind of is what it is at this point yeah that's 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 where I'm at too and I was thinking like maybe there's even a bigger strategy here because John Durham from what I've seen and what I've looked at and what I've heard uh he doesn't lose he's very good at what yeah. he does and there's usually a reason for what he does and he's all but I've also heard he's really by the book this was something Cash Patel was mentioning I recommend people go check out a show Cash Patel just did an interview with uh, Red Pill 78, did a decent job there and just sort of saying, look, there's also this other trial. I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, but it's coming up in Virginia, I believe. And so Benchenko, the maybe? jury pool is going to be totally different than it would yeah. be in BC. So there might be a bit of a game where publicly, um, and this seems to be happening across the board, that the public is moving away from the trust factor when it comes to what the government doing the legal system which is that's kind of a frightening scenario but it's good in the sense that if we're trying to smoke out these rats and expose the corruption that has been going on forever there's yeah. a process to that right and so what you do is you bring these guys out if sussman's just a small fish in a bigger chain then you might not need to hang your hat on him the strategy could be just get certain things set as precedent for future cases yeah. right Yep. Yeah. Get get things on the record, like the whole the, the whole fact that he did pay for the the drives and he was charging the Clinton campaign. You know, he, he did lie to the FBI, even though he wasn't found guilty of it. And and the fact that the big thing here is that we established that this did go all the way to the top to to Hillary Clinton. And and we know for a fact that Obama and and his White House, Biden included, were were involved in this, too, through Brennan's notes, handwritten notes. So um, that that's the end game we got to see here. And so everything we're seeing now is just kind of setting the foundation for for him building the entire conspiracy charge on the much larger scale and group. So um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's disappointing that he wasn't found guilty, but that's not to say he's he's going to get off completely scot-free. I mean, I, I do think he'll be back in court for the grander conspiracy charge once this this whole thing unfolds, but, but we'll see. Again, it's not my area of expertise, um, but I do think there is a lot of aspects of the Durham trial and how things are unfolding and the timing of it that might fit into devolution, but the specifics of what's going on, it's, you know, I, I'm more just kind of, observational of, of of what i think is happening well hey let's that's 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 where we're all at and this is quite yeah. the ride i kind of feel like I'm, we're watching a crazy movie at this point it, it's yeah. insane but let's get into your area of expertise the sure. devolution series um i didn't want to make you come on and have to rehash the whole origin of it and what it means i want to direct people to go to your previous interviews to go to the Substack. you also maybe just quickly let people know you've done a sort of easy to understand breakdown of what devolution is. You did a, a particular article on that, correct? Yeah. So it, it's um it's called an introduction to devolution, and and I actually wrote it. It was after like I've already written like nineteen or twenty of my articles, so it came pretty late in the game. But you know, a lot of people were asking like, how do I, how can I possibly wrap my head around you know your twenty twenty articles in? And so I, I felt the one article would be a great place for people to kind of get the full summary of what's going on, and then. You know, if they choose to continue diving into the series, they can. Uh, but but yeah, it, it's it, it's been pretty crazy how things have taken off uh, lately. But yeah, introduction to devolution. It's on my website, devolution.link. It's the first one there. Awesome. I'll link it for you. You guys can go check up and again check out that documentary series. It really breaks it down well. Well, before we get into Article Twenty Two, which was 
fascinating. You blew my mind. Uh, well done. <laughs> so much good Thank stuff you. in there. Whatever people think about the whole thing, go read all these articles because the one thing I like about your articles, man, is you bring the sauce, you bring the support, you bring the data to read through. And this, I've learned so much about American politics and even been able to reflect on what's going on in my country as a result of reading your articles. Um, so well done on that. Um, but I wanted to start before we get to 22, just quickly on article 15, which I also found to be really, really interesting. I learned a lot from that article. Um, I've personally been sitting here in Canada watching what went down with Trump since the beginning. I, I, nobody thought he was going to get elected. I, like many people, wasn't really expecting much out of him, um, although I had always heard good things about Trump. Um, I did a lot of work in L.A. and in and out of the States and just talking to people. And I was always like, oh, well, you know, maybe he's not what everybody's making him out to be. And then when I saw the media go to war on him from like the nanosecond, it was even a possibility he could win and Hollywood and everybody else. I went, why are these guys so afraid of this guy? If he's, yeah. if he's one of them, if he's just this big billionaire, you know, playboy that they're going to knock out real quick, why are they so worried? What, why are they using the media to attack him so relentlessly? And then, of course, all these events unfolded. And he did so many things that brought all this corruption to light that I was thinking, wow, like if this guy's some kind of deep state plant or something like that, he's really exposing a lot of what we're trying to expose. So I, mm -hmm. I supported Trump for so many different things. I had my issues here and there. I always try to stay objective. But as things have gone on, the world has gotten so much weirder and crazier <laughs> uh, ever since he's entered into the scene. It's as if everything went into warp speed uh so to speak and that leads us to warp speed because then you know my i started to have those feelings that a lot of people had about trump when the pandemic happened and it seemed good in the beginning he starts telling people hey we don't we don't need to lock down we don't need to uh mandate things we've got hydroxychloroquine we've got all these other ways we can deal with things but then um he started switching over to the vaccine thing and started to really push that vaccine and I've had so many interviews on my show and uh, with people that have been damaged by this thing. Um, the fact that they're trying to mandate it and it's just becoming incredible. And we know Trump has said he's against that. But I was always wondering, like, why would he just go against his entire base mostly and yep. really keep pushing it in the media? Unless there's two options in my mind that I could think of. One was that somehow he's got bad influence around him and he somehow doesn't understand what's going on with it. Or there's optics to, to consider that there's some kind yeah. of a irregular warfare scenario that I still can't quite wrap my head around. Yeah. But you wrote a whole article on warp speed and what you think might be going on. Could you fill that in just a little bit for us about what that's about? Yeah. So, I mean, first, like taking take into consideration what we've learned since Trump left office, especially with, with what's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine and going after the biolabs and, and some of the information they've yeah. released where, you know, a lot of the, the Democrats and um, I, mean, I think I think they specifically called out, you know, Hillary, Biden, Obama, and, and maybe it was Gates or something, but these people that are responsible for these biolabs and the research they're doing there and how they could potentially be tied to COVID and what happened. I mean, um, in, in my article, I tried to kind of prove that this was a, almost a, a planned a pandemic, like you know, Fauci right before Trump took office was talking about, you know, he's gonna for sure be hit with some sort of pandemic, and then you know, Dr. Holdren, uh, Obama's director of the OSTP, he lifted the gain, the moratorium on gain of function research, uh, you know, just uh, ten days before Fauci said the pandemic was coming, and then 
you know, Dr. Holdren has a book about this pandemic, you know, and, and, and all, there's all sorts of things. And then they had all these pandemic exercises, right? So I believe that this, this whole pandemic was kind of a pre-planned thing. Um, and then it, Trump gets in the office and he starts making all these moves that, that kind of hint that he knows something might be coming. I mean, he has his, uh, his national, uh, national defense strategy, which, you know, that's how he outlines his strategy for his entire administration, you know, everything to do with national security. And in there, he talks about, you know, combating bio threats and pandemics. And um, he even talked about whether the outbreak's natural or deliberate. Um, and then shortly after that, about a year later in 2018, he he releases his national biodefense strategy. And this is specifically for biodefense. And um, in, here, in there, he made all sorts of interesting moves. And uh, again, talking about deliberate bio threats and, and technology and, and labs and he even goes they that that uh, biodefense strategy even goes into continuity of government stuff and mentions the word devolution which is interesting um but then when you fast forward a little bit further in uh it, it, there's an interesting timeline of things that happened right before around the time that that COVID supposedly leaked okay and so we, we know it was sometime prior to september 12th of 2019 that it came from the wuhan institute of virology because that's what there's been multiple investigations of where it came from um one in particular that i was looking at was the the, the house republicans uh, um house foreign affairs republicans they did their own research and and that was kind of the the stop you know end date that for sure it came from was the september 19th from the wuhan institute of virology so, sorry september 12th of 2019. um and then trump made some interesting moves around that time frame september 10th he, he fired john bolton um, September 18th, he puts in Robert O'Brien, who's, and, and this is as the national security ad advisor, and, and that's a key position to devolution if you if you read my series. But then the very next day after uh, O'Brien's in there, Trump makes this, he issues this executive order, which which was very interesting and impressive considering what, what was to come. And it was the moder modernizing influenza vaccines um, to promote national security and public health. It was executive order 13887. And in here, he he does all sorts of things, but the the, the main the main thing was uh, it, it established an influenza task force, which was a partnership between the DoD and the Secretary of Health and Human Services. But then also, it allowed the DoD to do their own vaccine research. Okay, and then fast forward a little bit, all of a sudden COVID comes out, and and you know everything's played out since then. And you know whether whatever your belief is on COVID, whether is a, a man-made thing or natural or, or, or whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. I, I, I'm just more so trying to show that Trump almost saw that this was going to be kind of a planned thing and he was making moves to counter it. Okay. And then um, again, where, where it gets very interesting then is uh, in December of, of this last year, this, this article came out where the, the army was doing their own vaccine research. Like they're coming out with a vaccine, a universal vaccine that was good against not just the COVID that we see but all future variants okay it, kind of, it would kind of kill the the covid pandemic like they couldn't you know this vaccine would would end it no, nobody would be able to get it anymore there's still it's still in trial phases like it's not fully released yet but it was very interesting that nobody was talking about this but it, but it started under trump okay so this is something that started under trump and it stemmed from that executive order 13887 and then uh looking at operation warp speed too and everything else that happened with the pandemic and I'm sorry, this is kind of, it's kind of a long story to summarize an article here, but, um, no, that's this good, article yeah. like this, but, but what Operation Warp Speed was, what Trump did is he, he basically forced the, you know, if you believe that there was a deep state plan, which a lot of people do, that, that this was some sort of forced thing, 
you know, they, they said it was going to take five, six to 10 years to potentially get some sort of vaccine to market, even though there was patents for COVID vaccine well before COVID even came out, right? Operation Warp Speed uh, made the DOD and the Department of Homeland Security, the same people who partnered in Executive Order 13887, it, it basically had them rush those vaccines to market. They, they were involved in the production of the big pharma vaccines, the, the the development, the release, the distribution, everything, and getting those things out. He made those vaccines come out and, and threw their their timeline completely off, right? But then it's it still comes down to the, the question of why is Trump actually promoting the vaccine? And this is what has caught a lot caused a lot of strain in a lot of people. And th this is how I think of it. You know, ever since Trump came down the escalator, he's been saying that the media is the enemy of the people, right? They're, um, you know, they're they're the reason, and it's true. They're the reason for a lot of the the, the crap that we've gone through the last six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been, probably even longer, Absolutely. right? And I, yeah. I highlight a, a lot of this in my part twenty-two. But it, Trump taught us not to trust anybody, not the media, not, not even you know him, and, and that's that's a key point. He he told us to question everything and, and kind of think for ourselves, and so Trump comes out against or pro vaccine. He has this pro vaccine stance. And we're all like, what, what the heck is Trump doing? Why is he doing this? And so I was curious. I, I did a poll uh, on my Telegram, and I think it got up to like 100,000 people who, who clicked it, you know, or, or participated. And um, my, my question was, if the election was tomorrow, there's a couple of questions. If the election was tomorrow, who would you vote for? And 96% of people said they'd vote for Trump, and 4% said a third-party candidate. Nobody said they'd vote for Biden. And then my um, my, my next question was, has Trump's pro-vaccine stance led you to get the vaccine? And 99% of the people said no. So 99% of these people who would vote for Trump said they would not get the vaccine just because, um, you know, he recommended it. And then my third question was, has has Trump's pro-vaccine stance changed the fact that you would vote for him? And it was still like 94% or something that said they would still vote for him. So not only are these all Trump people who would continue to vote for him, even though he's pushed the vaccines, but none of these people are going to get the vaccine because Trump is pushing it. Okay. And so, and Trump knows this, you know, he, he does his own internal polling. They have their own information. They, they know all this stuff. And so the only reason I could think of, I mean, if Trump comes out and, you know, against the vaccine, the, the, the media and the Biden administration, they they would just pile on him and blame Trump again for everything that the country's going through, right? And they 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 would potentially have a legitimate reason to do so because Trump is urging people to, you know, not take the vaccine, and so we can't get out of this pandemic. And you know, they would have even though it wouldn't be legitimate, they would be able to make a legitimate argument to their audiences and to the people who believe Biden was elected that Trump is the reason for a lot of the stuff this country's going through. But 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 because he was pro-vaccine, they they couldn't do that. So he was he was towing kind of the party line, the media line and and the Biden line. And so everything that was happening under Biden, it was Biden's fault. They, they couldn't pin it on anybody else, even though he's tried to pin it on, you know, Russia and all these other things they couldn't do it. I think it was a purely optical and, and political move to, and, and to make sure the narrative stayed on track, because as as you see, when we talk about part 22, the narrative is, is very important. And, you know, um, Another thing I like to point out when we talk about the vaccines and, and COVID in general is is Trump and his promoting of hydroxychloroquine, because we found out from from Project Veritas in you know they had that those uh, major Murphy documents that came out, and in there you know it was released that the Department of Defense they they knew that that hydroxychloroquine was a curative as of April of of 2020, and Trump started pushing hydroxychloroquine in March of 2020. 
And the second he started doing it, the the media went all in against him. Uh, you know, the Democrats, even some rhinos, like all these people came in and like, oh, this is very irresponsible. Trump, this you can't be doing this. But he knew it was a curative. He was trying to save lives. It was the media that that went all in against him, right? And so it, Trump does have our best interest in mind, but he's he's also he's got to play the political game and and play the optics because, uh, you know, also him pushing the vaccine prior to the election is he still needed to get elected right i mean the, the biggest part of devolution is he had to make sure that he legitimately won the election because if he didn't then he wouldn't be able to put something like devolution into place the election had to be stolen and so if he if he comes out anti-vaccine prior to the election i mean he could potentially lose some of that moderate base that that still watch the media and, and believe the fear-mongering so again a, a lot of his yeah, consider stance, the time sorry to jump in there just as you no, said that it made me think consider the time of january or november of 2020 where people yep. were at versus where everybody's at now. Like there's been a significant yep. sea change since then, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it, it's all optics, it's all politics. And that's that's part of this irregular warfare and the narrative battle that's that's been going on. He, he's still got to be careful to not lose too much of the base, especially at the wrong time. But he also knows that his base, you know, us that have already, you know, have voted for him and, and believe in him, we're not just going to blindly follow anything he says, but he's not going to lose us because of what he says either you know what i mean so it's it's his, his what he does some of the things he does that we don't agree with it's not necessarily for us it's for the, the people he's trying to win over still in this in this narrative war that's a good breakdown and it, i i it's it's something to consider when we look at all of this especially when we start talking about article 22 because if this if what you're saying is true then this whole operation could be a lot bigger than we know it might even go even beyond i think it goes beyond trump himself i mean there's, he plays a certain role here um he's definitely playing a certain role for the public for the optics and not even just his base he's speaking to the media he's speaking to the the these deep state infiltrators and in a way you could look at operation warp speed as him just publicly going along with it because he's like, well, I'm just a president. I'm not a doctor. I put these mm -hmm. guys in charge. They made it. They did it. This is the way the government works. I asked my yep. top health advisor who happened to be Fauci. I asked him what we need to do. He said the only way out of the pandemic is a vaccine. Um, and so instead of them dragging out eight to 10 years of plumb basically destroying Western capitalism in America mm -hmm. economically by just the lockdowns alone and the amount of deaths that would have come from that, then the vaccines, it was probably a calculated risk to say, well, we yep. maybe they're not in a position where they could have made a dis another decision. And they said, well, it's better we rush this, make them fight faster and harder and expose themselves quicker rather than this long drawn out process. So there could be sort of an art of war thing happening there. For sure. And that brings me to the opening quote of that video that was put out by the, I think it's the fourth PSYOP group. Yep. Um, and we should talk about that and, and the PSYOPs and the fact that we live in an information war. This is a psychological war. It's been going on for a long time. And not only do you want to get these guys and indict them and prosecute them and arrest everybody, but you have to wake people up in the process because people have been locked in this mockingbird media matrix for generations. And so yeah. how do you how do you simultaneously take these guys out through some kind of sting operation and wake people up so that it doesn't implode into civil war? And so you can imagine the delicate balancing act there. And so this gets into the root of Article 22. And, and just off a, off a couple notes that I had, um, the, this is the group that were, made this video that calls themselves the fourth PSYOP group. And they refer to themselves as the masters of influence. 
And yeah. when people think of psychological operations, psyops, influencing the public mind, they think Edward Bernays, propaganda must be nefarious, must be evil. Um, but what you show in this is that in warfare, the war over the narrative is going to happen with both sides. The, the, the patriotic side trying to defend their country using those techniques. And then, of course, those who are trying to infiltrate, hijack the culture and take over the country from within, which is what these guys are doing. We're dealing with an insurgency, right? Yep. So break down this. This Let's start with Article 22 right from the beginning. Where should we where should we kick it off there? Yeah, so there's that, that video that came out um, from the Fourth PSYOP group. It was a YouTube video that came out in, uh, I think it was early May this month, or last month, I guess. It's June now, but um, it, it was very interesting. I mean, it, it, it was a, supposedly a recruitment video, and it, it, it starts with the Sun Tzu quote. I mean, it, it was very well done, but yeah. you look at who put it out as this Fourth PSYOP group, and, that, and that's what intrigued me the most because um, when, when I started digging into who they are and what they do, and, and you know, it's all about... You know they're they're part of the special operations group, and they're they're at Fort Bragg, and and that's interesting because of everything that's happened at Fort Bragg, just as far as the Devolution series is concerned. And then you know I started digging into you know the psyops and and how they're a part of a regular warfare, and that's where it gets really, really, really interesting because um, in the Devolution series, you know there, there's a lot of key players with key backgrounds, and and you know like you said, how, how long have they been setting this up? We don't know, but. What I when I first started the series, I looked at pretty much everything that's happened from the election on, right? And, and so, you know, Joe Biden, the election happened on November third. It was clearly stolen, and then Joe Biden was declared the winner on like November eighth or ninth or seventh, whatever it was, um, by the Associated Press. He was declared the winner, and then the very next day, Esper is fired, and and all of a sudden, Trump hires uh, Christopher Miller, right? And and this guy is a regular warfare. I mean, he's got a, a huge regular warfare background. He specializes in a whole boatload of regular warfare stuff. And one of the things he actually specializes in is specifically um, psyops. You know, in his bio at the Department of Defense, they call it uh, military information support operations. But that's what the psyop group used to be called: is the military information support operations group. They they switched the name because it didn't really it fit them. And and I included that in the article too. But so right off the bat, you know, they they put in this irregular warfare guru to take over the Department of Defense. And then there's a whole host of things that that's happened since then. Um, and then. I started digging in. I, I can't believe I didn't see this before, but um, a month before the election in October, they, they submitted an annex to the national de defense strategy, specifically for regular warfare. It was the regular warfare annex on October 2nd, 2020. And this thing goes into the importance of a regular warfare and why we have to make the switch. And, and, and then I noticed the language in this irregular warfare annex was eerily similar to the executive order that Trump issued on December 7th, you know, a couple months later, and this executive order 13961 is it's one of the most important pieces of evidence we have for devolution because it's it's an executive order that it, it, it established this committee. And this committee was tasked with implementing and executing a, a continuity of government plan. But again, the, the, the language similarities between that executive order and, and there's a strategy that was released with it. Some of it was like identical to this irregular warfare annex. And the whole executive order on continuity of government and everything, it was that was released in the context of of war and national defense. It wasn't just like, you know, hey, we just need to update our continuity of government stuff. No, it was based on the authorities I have as president on the Constitution, all this stuff. And then the National Security Act of 1947, which is war and national defense. The whole thing was based on war and national defense. And so, you know, we're in devolution because we're in a state of war 
because the election was stolen by a foreign adversary, right? I mean, the, the, there's a lot to this whole devolution theory, but when you look at the at the fine details of what's going on and and what I wrote about in 22, the war that we're in, it's an irregular warfare and it's it's a battle for the narratives. I mean, it, that's just it. Everything in under Trump's presidency, he's been fighting the mainstream media narrative, right? It's first, it's the whole Russia collusion hoax that, that hijacked the narrative for years. And then it's the whole impeachment hoax. That, that was a narrative that, I mean, was was false. I mean, everything the, these false narratives and everything in between, you know. And then the um, the COVID, uh, the the election was most secure in history. Uh, in the the January sixth, the impeachment number two, and everything since. You know, Biden is this legitimately elected president with eighty one million votes. That's the narrative they're trying to to paint. And you know, things are good and things are turning around, but none of that's true. That that narrative is collapsing as well. And it's it's been it's it's been like specifically picked apart piece by piece. I mean, it, it, nothing that the Biden administration can do promote, like actually advances their narrative. It, it, it goes against their narrative. It's like they can't do a single thing right. And so, the, so this whole thing, I mean, once once I read read into this regular warfare annex and, and some of this other stuff I found, it was just so compelling and obvious that we're, we're in an irregular warfare right now. And it's it's been a warfare for the narrative. And that's why, you know, some of the timing things that are happening, like 2000 mules coming out, that, that changes the narrative that the media wants out there, but they can't, they can't keep it in a bottle here. I mean, they're not gonna be able to hide this forever. There's more. And, and Greg Phillips says there's something even bigger than the mules coming out here soon in the next six weeks that. Oh, you I mean, just you interviewed imagine? him, right? Yeah. I remember watching yeah. that. Do you have, yeah, what just, was your reaction when you heard him say that? Cause I think it was close to the end and he just kind of drops a bomb there. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, he, yeah, he said, you know, I, I was just surprised to get the interview in the first place. I, I've, I've kind of felt like a, a lot of the people that are, are important or, you know, maybe have any any sort of inside knowledge or track to what might be going on or what might actually be going on or part of the plan. And I consider 2000 Mules as part of this, you know, regular warfare assault. Like it's 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 part of changing the narrative. It, this is it's been coordinated. Right. So I was like, there's no chance Greg or Catherine's going to come on my show. And I tried with Catherine a couple of times and she, I got turned down a couple of times. But then all of a sudden, Greg's like he was talking to me on Truth Social and he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll get you in your 150th in line. And all of a sudden he comes on my show like a couple of days later. It was, oh, it was wow. just how qu the quick turnaround was just nuts to me. And then, um, yeah, and so I was just surprised to get the interview. And then he drops that bombshell on there. And all of a sudden, the interview's blown up. I mean, I I, I was just shocked. Maybe to, he to read Article least. 22 and he was like, you know what? Yeah. This guy's got it. I'm going to go. Yeah, on maybe. I hope that's the case. But yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's nuts, man. I mean, like, whatever it is, that's, that's something. 2,000 meals alone, that's been the talk of especially our side and, and people are slowly starting to wake up like e even it's not even as far as crossing the bridge to the the full-blown leftists that we need to reach it's just those in the middle or even those that are like they, they may have even voted for trump but they they don't really care they're apathetic right but then seeing something like 2000 meals is like oh my gosh this is how can this stand like we need enough people in this country to be like we can't just let this stand anymore right and 2000 meals is it's changing the the, the the this country it's changing the narrative in this country it's changing people's thoughts about our elections and and joe biden like it's important and so if something even bigger is coming out than that 10 times bigger i mean it, talk about a, a huge weapon in a in a regular warfare and a, narr a narrative warfare like this that i can't i can't wait to see what it is yeah this is this is incredible well to give you guys some hope uh, i'm sitting here in canada I'm in british columbia canada canada is paying attention to what's going on in america right now like you wouldn't believe I've never seen more people uh, looking into politics of any kind than I have over the past few years. But when I was in a supermarket, I was overhearing some people talking about 2000 mules. 
Then I go and I was like uh, waiting for my daughter at gymnastics or something. And I got my window down and I see two guys leaning on their truck talking about the same documentary. And then someone brought up devolution and I was like, whoa. So you're getting all the way out into Canada. And it means that it has influenced the narrative. And even for people that don't support Trump, uh, it definitely shows that there's all kinds of nefarious shady stuff going on with our elections and people like me and so many others have been saying for a long time these politicians are installed they're selected and then they're put into position and what we're learning about is i think we're just cracking open the door as to some of the mechanisms of how they do that how do they take over these uh western countries or any country and then change the direction of what's going on well they embed themselves and that is that's how you do an insurgency. Uh, we yep. heard them talk, you know, the communists for, for a long time. I've been talking about the long march through the institutions. We've seen them do it through the culture, through the education system, through the media. And now we're learning about how they rig elections. This is yep. mind blowing. This, this has an impact on the whole world, especially the Absolutely. free world where we're all sitting here in Canada thinking, well, we use paper ballots. So therefore we can't have our elections rigged. Well, now we're finding out Dominion voting systems is housed in Toronto, or at least it was before they, mm-hmm. I think they moved after the elections. Yeah. Um, and we have elections coming up and a lot of people are wondering, Hey, is this how they got, they kept Trudeau around? And then, you know, what went down in France with Macron and uh, yep. Marine Le Pen and what went down, you know, so you really start to look at the, the global picture here. So yep. when you think about devolution, it starts in America, right? But the impact is actually worldwide. It's not just located to the corruption going on in America. This could have ripple effects around the world, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just think about that. Like, if if, if it is proven in here that the machines, just just one one aspect of the machines, if if they are switching votes, like if that if that does get proven and and it's shown that Trump was a legitimate winner of of twenty twenty, which he is even without the machines. That, but that's just part yeah. of it. How many how many of these countries use these machines are going to have to change up how they do things? But then like the, the whole ballot harvesting scheme, I can't imagine that's strictly an American thing. Like I, I bet that happens everywhere too. I mean, there, there's so many different aspects to how they steal elections. And you're right, they absolutely select people, but it's not just the Democrats and the liberals that they're selecting too. They're, they're selecting all the way down to the local level who they want and who's gonna toe the party line. And these rhinos that are holding up decertifications in some of these key states here, it, it's everywhere. And it's not just America, it's, it's worldwide. It's, and so uh, uh, people are waking up waking up to this and so if if something changes if if devolution is revealed and trump gets back i think it doesn't it is going to have worldwide effects but i'm almost i've been questioning i mean this is more speculation but i look at the the russia and the ukraine situation right now and the fact that so many of these world leaders they're they're adamantly against what russia is doing but none of them are sending troops in which you know i mean it doesn't make sense why haven't they especially the United States. Biden said he's going to send in the 82nd Airborne. They, they haven't gotten in there yet. I mean, they're sending, you know, money and, and supplies and stuff, but they're not actually sending troops in. And, and so why is it that it's not just us, but all these other countries that would go to war with Russia to stop them? Why haven't they done it? Are these other militaries potentially, you know, not necessarily following orders either? Like, is there some sort mm-hmm. of military devolution going on in other countries? I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, I do think this is a worldwide thing for sure. And it, it, elections are a big deal because any any place that has an election that promotes you know oh this is a free and fair election these are the results you know have at it and the media just covers it up and says yep this is what happened again media is the enemy of the people because they're the ones that aren't getting the truth out and and digging into this stuff they're they're burying it 
And so, yeah, they're going to get away with all this stuff. But once you fix it somewhere, especially in a place like America, that's going to have a ripple effect worldwide. There's no way it won't. Oh, I agree. And I really hope it happens. Um, and there's a lot of good signs when people know where to look and they should start with some of your articles there. Um, but okay. with, if we look at really quickly, you had said a while back that you had a, an, a theory that Trump would be back before 2024. Um, we had, I heard Cash Patel saying he thinks, because I think he's coming from just, he's not looking at a military option. He's just looking at the system as it is that there's no mechanism. Let's just say, you know, Trump had said, hey, when they steal the diamonds, you got to return the diamonds. Well, if they prove election fraud and they prove that uh, there was collusion with both foreign and domestic entities, um, would that not in a in a right world, would that not just say, oh, well, let's get rid of the guy who faked it and, and stole it and arrest him and all of his cronies and then install the guy that won or let's have another election under certain conditions that would allow yep. for a fair election right um or would you so that's one option is that some kind of intervention takes place between now and 2024. the other option would be playing the long game continue this massive um devolution process and and narrative uh warfare to awaken the public over the next couple of years as long as america doesn't get destroyed in the process i guess mm -hmm. and then um, bring Trump or someone else, one of his, somebody under him that's going to come in and run it in 2024. Where are you at right now with how you see that rolling out? Yeah. So I've been, um, and I've been one of the lone voices in this, you know, I, I personally believe it's just my opinion. I, I, I can't really back this up with anything hard and, and fast. And I'm a big facts guy. Like I like big facts, but my, my series that I've written about it, it is laced with facts. And so I'm, I've drawn my opinion based on what I've, what I've seen and researched. I believe he comes back before the midterms, uh, but but there's really? there are you know it's it's possible that that's wrong, and and some of this comes down to what Trump did. I mean, first of all, devolution itself it's a continuity of government plan, and based on what we know about it, there is no end date. Like it it technically could go all the way through to 2024, I mean potentially longer. I, I really don't know, um, but if if you look at again, first of all, we 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 don't even know what Trump te technically did. I mean, there's a lot of evidence pointing to some sort of continuity government plan, but there's also things that he's we know he's done in in what are called presidential emergency action documents. Those are PEDs. And we know he did something because the Democrats have been trying like crazy to get after these things. In four times in 2020, they tried to get access to the to the these PEDs. And um again in, in 2021 and 2022, they've been trying to get after them. And these are the highest level of, of classified authority that a president has. It's like they're they're standby orders. So um, you know, an executive order could be all there written. And once a certain key event happens, it triggers this executive order and it unfolds. Right. So th and this just, is just like for people, just so I know, nobody has, had, nobody has had access to this. This is the, nobody's like, nobody can just go in and free them. Like nobody can ask for this information. It's classified nobody, from the public. Okay. Yeah. You can FOIA stuff about it, but there's like, like just the last week, there's a whole bunch of, a whole trove of Bush era documents on the, the peds. That came out but nothing of significance was in there because everything was like no this is withheld this is withheld this is withheld here's a handwritten note saying we have a meeting next week and then like you know like nothing important was really released except for you know how many peds there were so back under bush in 04 there's like 48 peds and then a couple years later there's 54. we know in 2018 um because because every so often each president has to have a, a legal review so his his legal team 
uh, at the end, and the ju justice department, they have to review, review these peds to make sure they're legal. And then, you know, you do have some input from some of the, you know, heads of these other agencies like the DOD or whatever. Um, and, and so there are some people that have access to them, but they can't disclose any of it. So, and, and they're only privy to their specific peds. So like the, the DOD, they might know uh, about the six peds that relate to them, but they don't know about, you know, 10 other peds that only relate to the department of treasury. You know, there's very few people outside of, you know, Trump's legal team or the president's legal team that know the full scope of all the peds, right? But it's potential that Trump did something in the peds that triggered the, this devolution operation that we see ongoing right now. Um, one of the things I speculated in my part four uh, was what if Trump actually kind of drew on Abraham Lincoln and how Abraham Lincoln suspended habeas corpus during the Civil War? What if Trump, you know, saw that our election was being stolen by a, you know, with the assistance of a foreign government? And so he suspended the electoral college vote. You know, I mean, that could backtrack everything to there. We, we don't know. I mean, it's it, that might not have happened, probably didn't happen, but it's 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 a little speculation. But again, it, it depends what Trump did. But I think no matter what, again, this is all a narrative war. This is all about the optics. And so I think Trump is going to do everything he can to to stay away from this looking like a coup or a military takeover of any kind. He wants us to be an organic, you know, we the people driven movement to get him back into office if he comes back before the midterms. I think it's important he does come back before the midterms because if he doesn't, there. I mean, we saw what, what's come out with 2,000 mules and whatever's going to come out and, you know, all the speculation on Dominion's election code, Mike Wendell, the PCAPs, there's so much stuff about our elections that are questionable. They're, they're going to steal it again and they're going to get away with it again yeah. because the media and and all these rhinos and, and these people in key positions that'll just bury it and and let the process of, of fixing things die. Uh, and so I, I don't think no matter what election reforms we put into place, in the Republican count, you know, states or whatever, it's not going to be enough to to have a significant chance, like impact on the 2022 midterms. The only way that gets fixed is if something happens beforehand that changes everything nationwide. And I think the only thing I would do that is a reveal of some sort. Maybe it's a couple states decertifying, which that's what that, that's the route I think this is going. I think, you know, Arizona, Wisconsin, uh, probably Georgia, Michigan, and maybe Pennsylvania, maybe all five of those states, the st all the states that were highlighted in 2000 mules. I think we're going to see decertifications and then what happens there, who knows? But I do think, yeah, my opinion, it, this, it ends with Trump coming back before the midterms, but I, I, I think there's merit to the thought that he comes back after the midterms. Once there is a, a different Congress in there, you know, cause I, I think no matter what, we're still going to, we're going to have a, a pretty significant red wave. And if there is cheating, which there would be in 2022 midterms, it's going to be so obvious. Like it's going to be more obvious than it was in, in, in uh, 2020. I mean, just look at the, the primaries that, I mean, Congrats. it's been it's been ridiculous. It's so obvious, but it's like the public's um, been trained now after all this information has yeah. come out from various sources and gone viral. That's another thing. It's been allowed to come out, even if there is this yeah. war. That's what's interesting to me. And coincidentally, it's all happening at the same time. And I also can't help but speculate on this whole thing going on with Twitter and Elon Musk and all of this right now, yeah. because that would be part of it. Because let's not forget, I was watching the. I paid attention to that election from day one. I got banned from YouTube for covering it. Um, and I remember watching how they, you know, first of all, they stopped counting the votes during the middle of the night, the whole thing. And then, um, all of a sudden they had this, uh, situation where now they were trying to tell people, well, basically Biden had 81 million voters, but nobody believed it. And then you see how many people are quote unquote following Biden on Twitter you see Twitter kick Trump off of the platform during yeah. the election. 
Um, and then you start to wonder, well, does this mean a lot of these tech companies have been involved? Well, they have been, but the tech companies, the media, if this was an attack, if this was something as big as we know it was, then they're also implicated in that crime. And so sure. part of a way that you sort of devolve that situation is you start having um, someone like Elon Musk come out and exposing the fact that the vast majority of these followers are bots. A lot of these guys are fake. What did it come out like 50% of the guys, the people, the accounts following yeah. Biden on Twitter are, are fake, you know? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all, that's, that's what a regular warfare is. And this is what I highlighted in, in my, my article, you know, you, you, the, the whole point of it is to influence populations and like affect legit legitimacy. You try to erode, you know, their, some somebody's credibility, their, their influence. And, and that's what has happened since Biden was inaugurated. It, it, but it hasn't just been on Biden specifically. That's, you know, it's not just his legitimacy that's been eroded. It's also the mainstream medias. And, and now we're seeing the same thing with, with these big tech companies and, and social media companies like Twitter, like their legitimacy is eroding and it's because of Elon. And then you see the same thing with our, our justice department with what's happened here with the Durham trial. I mean, we're, we're seeing more and more institutions and all these different, um, you know, corporations, the media, everything, all of their legitimacy is, has been eroded and it's currently eroding. And it's, it's too, it's too much of a coincidence that all this is happening at once for it not to be like a, a some sort of precision like operation like this is it, it seems very coordinated you know what i mean and and yeah. uh, so, so it's it, it's it's interesting but that's you have to erode that stuff before you can you know pull the rug out you, you know what i mean so trump couldn't have prevented biden from taking office on the 20th of, of 2021 because it, i mean it likely would have led to some sort of civil war because the media did have some credibility it would have looked like trump was trying to do this coup even though he had every right to do so based on everything we believe and and his powers as president but he wanted to avoid that civil war. So instead, he's, he's, he is playing the long game. I hope he's not playing the 2024 long game, uh, but 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 he's clearly playing some sort of long game because he didn't do anything about it prior to Biden being inaugurated. He, he walked away in a sense. And and ever since then, it's been an irregular warfare battle for the narrative. And clearly, the, the momentum is all on our side. I mean, Trump is winning. Trump and his team, they're, they're winning the narrative warfare right now you know so it's it is exciting but we'll just see what happens yeah and i mean hey whether it's whether he comes back sooner or later um in the end we're having this these mass exposures come out and people are really starting to learn and part of learning things is not just to watch a youtube video read an article and then now you know it you have to experience things as well mm -hmm. experience plays a role here and there's that old saying you know you can't just tell somebody the truth or you can't just tell somebody a fact about something you have to show them and they have to do it themselves. Um, and I think that's part of just on a bigger level, how we're all going through this crazy time right now. Yeah. There's so many issues coming to the surface. Like I can't wake up without having a new thing hitting the headlines and everybody's talking about it. And you can see how easily, even people who are aware of the media propaganda system, how easily everybody's led by whatever the talking points are coming out of the media. I mean, even us, the alternative mm -hmm. media, we cover what the talking points are that are coming out of the mainstream media mm -hmm. to try to tackle them. But we're still focusing on that. And that's why I like th the way you write your articles is to really go, hey, let's go into the history of this. Let's get into the deep the documentation. Let's let's prove this out and just see where, where our theories are then. Because obviously, if we're just speculating all the time, you know, we're going to miss the mark more often than not. Um, yeah. In Article 22, 
you had this awesome bit. It blew me away. First of all, you did, you broke down the symbol, the ghost symbol that was in that video. Um, yeah. and that brought us into the world war two era and the idea that they had, um, basically a psychological warfare division during world war two that were doing things like bringing these big giant inflatable bouncy <laughs> castle tanks to park on the, on one side so that they could fool the German defenses who from the distance would look at it as, Oh, there's the tank battalion. Let's move yeah. our defense over there. Meanwhile, they're sneaking in the back door. They were dropping propaganda leaflets. They were way more successful during World War II with this uh, than I had even known until I read the article. Tell us about yeah. that bit because that blew my mind, man. Yeah, so leading up to D-Day, you know, they, they're going to invade Normandy and um, they, they've thought of a plan to draw troops away from, from Normandy. And so uh, they had a General Patton and he, General Patton actually led this whole outfit. Like he, he was he was the leader of this group. They had all these inflatable tanks, these inflatable buildings. Like it was just, it was a fake army that, and they, they set it up like within eyesight or whatever. So the, the Germans had to put some of their troops to, to counter that, you know what I mean? Cause it looked real and the, it was a psyop, right? And so that made the invasion of Normandy successful because a lot of the troop concentration was drawn away. And so after that, they gave a, they gave a patch out to everybody that was like a, it was, it was had a ghost on it and it was displayed in this fourth psyop thing because again the, the whole thing was a psyop and th they showed that that patch or, or in the video i mean that, that's not a coincidence and so it, i thought that was very interesting because you know based on everything we see unfolding right now and and, and what i mean something like that imagining something like that unfolding right now like a, a fake army and almost like a fake presence you know like there's there's some parallels that can kind of be drawn there to like you know you know, we're going to put all of our stuff here, all of our military here, even though it's fake, and then actually do something on the side. Well, okay, well, I'm President Trump. I'm going to walk away from this election. I, whatever, Joe Biden can be inaugurated, but this is what we're doing on the side. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, there's just some interesting parallels that fit in with, with devolution. But yeah, that, that video, and that's another thing, this whole video, like this group, it, it's it's kind of like a top secret type of group. Like you you don't want the public eye on you. On their own website, they say like, you know, it's, it's hard to find any information about about us so reach out if you have any questions and why why are they recruited like why do they have a recruiting video for something like this you don't need one i mean you you mostly recruit from a lot of your your pool that's already in special forces anyway right unless you know i'm sure there's some people that come in just specifically to go into you know psyops but i i bet it's pretty rare i bet they pull a lot of people from the, the people already in special forces why do you have a recruitment video like this unless it's not really a recruitment video it doesn't make sense like, like secrecy is important you don't want to draw attention to it but here they are releasing this really compelling really interesting good video drawing attention to their battalion it just it, it doesn't make sense to me well and they would have known that people like yourself and me and many others out there would be all over that and would be trying to analyze it and look at it and then also just think of the timing of it i mean the timing yeah. of that release and then the fact that it went viral it got lots of attention um and it it started to i think at least trigger people to look deeper into how this psychological warfare stuff really goes. Um, yeah. Because once again, as we started out with the, the pervading idea is that psyop equals bad always. And you realize, yeah. no, no, it's just a mechanism of warfare. And it's up to yeah. us to use our critical thinking and our investigative skills to find out whether a psychological, psychological operation is being run by, you know, Patriots or, you know, insurgency enemy. Right. Um, yeah. And so the timing of that release and the timing of so many things that already just a few of these points we brought up happening together would be like, wow, biggest coincidence ever. But it just so happens to be like 
dozens and dozens of these points that are all intersecting at the same time. And yeah. the result is, regardless of where people are at individually, people are waking up to these things and learning a lot more and paying attention. Whereas prior to a lot of this stuff, even prior to 2016, most people that I spoke to were very neutral on politics. They were so sick yeah. of the back and forth and nobody was really, they, that we stopped paying attention to it. It was almost like it yeah. was by design. We'll just make it so bad uh, and so obviously bad that no one ever look at politics again. And then we yeah. can slowly take over. Now everybody's paying attention. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's true. It's it's so coordinated. That's the thing. And and the fact that, you know, you say, okay, well, they're psyops and they can be run by both sides, right? Like, what if this is just, what if this group is doing a bad thing? What if they're a bad psyop group or whatever? And, you know, because I, I do believe at some point our military has played a role in doing psyops on our own population. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's almost undeniable. But but again, you got to look at what's happened to the Biden administration, the media and all these things that's happened since Joe Biden was inaugurated. They're not winning. Like, like Joe Biden is a joke. If, if they, if they had control of the narrative still, if they were, if the enemy was winning, Joe Biden would, you know, he would seem like a legitimate president. Like, you know, the, the media wouldn't be losing the grip on the COVID narrative and, and all these things. I mean, there's too many things failing and going wrong. Everything the Biden administration does is a failure and it's because they can't take control of the narrative. You know, it's, 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 it's dismantled before they even come out with it. And that shows me that, that this is a, a good psyop that's being run. And, and we're trying to, it's, it's more, it's a truth psyop almost, right? It's like, they're, they're trying to, to get the truth to the people that haven't woken up yet. And it's working because more and more people are questioning their government. It, it's, it's true. More, more people are questioning the media. They're turning away from the media and they're realizing that, you know, this bumbling idiot in the white house did not get 81 million votes and that's the most important narrative right there is is the election because if they once they fully lose control of that narrative and it's to a point like it reaches that breaking point where they they can't contain it and and maybe that's what this information coming out in six weeks does is that it breaks that threshold where it's it, it can't be contained anymore and it's undeniable then what happens because then you're at that point where you do have somebody in the white house that shouldn't be there you have all these entities that were involved in in getting him there illegally and you have a president that is kind of waiting in the wings that should be in office and he's ready to save our country. I mean, are we just going to let this guy stay in office when he's destroying our country? When you have a guy who had us to the, I mean, we were firing on all cylinders pr prior to the election being stolen and prior to COVID, what we want that guy back. How are we just going to let this other guy stay in office when the other, the person that should be there is, it isn't, you know? So th that's what I think this is heading to and, and how things unfold after we get to that threshold and cross it. it I mean, We'll see whether it's decertification or I don't know, but we're, we're getting to that point. We're getting closer and closer every day. Right. Um, well, real quick, I got a few more for you and I know you're busy, sure. so I'll let you go. But uh, you talked a lot about Fort Bragg and um, I thought it was interesting. You you pointed out the symbolism of the, the statue, the war memorial statue. Yeah. Um, where you have that uh, military officer crushing the head of the snake, which was that symbol. Yeah. You can get into that. And then also the fact that that was the monument that I believe Ezra Cohen Watnick did his first speech at, if I'm not uh, far off there. Could you break that little bit down? Yeah. So in the, in the article, you know, I was, I was talking about the fourth psyop group and, and irregular warfare and, you know, a lot of interesting things happened with devolution after, you know, Joe Biden was declared the winner. And, and first it was uh, Chris Miller getting put in there and then Ezra Cohen Watnick and, and everything was special forces and them, you know, withholding information from the transition team from Biden in special forces. But um, they they made this interesting move where they elevated the level of of special operations to that of the other branch of the military, you know, Army, Navy and whatnot. And it, and it allowed um, Ezra Cohen Watnick's role 
to report directly to the Secretary of Defense instead of going through kind of the bureaucratic back channels. Um, and so that, that was a big move. Uh, but they, they had this ceremony where they they talked about it and, and made it all official. And they could have done this anywhere. They could have done it at the Pentagon. They could have done it at any, any of these bases, but they did it at Fort Bragg. But then not only that, they did it next to this one statue called uh, the Bronze Bruce. And when you look at the That's symbolism cool. of it, like, like like you said, it's there's an interesting part where you know his him standing on this on, on a rock that's crushing a, a snake it, it you know it, it it's symbolic of, of tyranny in the world and and uh, actually i have the quote here hold on yeah his stance upon a rocky ledge with one foot crushing the snake is symbolic of tyranny in the world and the threats and dangers that will instantly bring him into action and then uh you know it's the, the statue represents a perfect warrior from the past a healer a teacher and an opponent of evil so i just thought i mean the, the fact that they chose that statue was was kind of it wasn't a coincidence either you know like nothing's a coincidence anymore that that, that was a kind of a an interesting little tidbit what was the other question the other part uh, no that was just I, I guess i was just curious about that because i've yeah. done a lot of work in symbolism and, and kind of studying the world of, of some of the elements of what i believe is this cult what they're into they use and employ symbolism in the media in hollywood oh, yeah. in their political slogans in the way that they talk they do little hand signs and little suggestive things to each other to communicate like a gang would and then i go well you know that old statement you know symbolism will be their downfall um, well, symbolism can be employed also for positive purposes as well to be a countermeasure. Yeah. So if you have the attack uh, upon a free country, well, then you have the defense. And so if they're attacking using sort of this occult symbolism language, um, then what better way than to throw that back in their face and say, hey, you want to play the symbolism game? Here's a soldier crushing the head of a serpent, because we know, yeah. in my opinion, this is sort of a serpent cult. That's a whole other podcast. But um, the idea here is that uh, this is counter symbolic warfare. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting when I came across that and noticed it. I was, you know, I was just cruising around the special operations website, you know, um, and came across the statue. It's like, holy cow, that's the one. That's right where Ezra was giving a speech and and Chris Miller. And, and so, yeah, it kind of blew me away when I saw it, too. I had to include it. Oh, and yeah. About Ezra. Could you just let people know who who is this guy and what position and how important of a piece do you think he is? Yeah, so um, I'll give a little background. I'm not going to go too deep because I, I might be talking some more about him here in my next article. Uh, but it, so he, he came up, he came into the NSC under General Flynn. Um, he, you know, he's had some interesting positions along the way. He went and uh, worked for Oracle for a little bit, which I think is is part of this ongoing devolution thing. There's ties to the Elon Musk situation and all sorts of things. But anyway, um, after the election, he was, he was already the... Um, assistant secretary of defense for special operations and low intensity conflict okay that's a position he took over from chris miller when chris miller went on to be the director of the nctc the national counterterrorism center and then christopher miller comes in and um he's the acting secretary of defense well right after it was two days after chris miller was named the acting secretary of defense ezra cohen watnick gets named promoted to under secretary of defense for intelligence so he's the he's the highest level civilian in special operations and the highest level civilian for intelligence i mean two major huge positions within our department of defense and obviously given that speech there at, at fort bragg but then fast forward a little bit towards the end and trump nominates him to be on the public interest declassification board which i don't think that was like he's not only only on it he's the chairperson of it and so i think that's a significant position for whatever's going to be coming here in the future i don't know what yet but th there's no coincidence there either but this guy he's um he's 
he's got a, a very interesting background and and i'll be digging into it a little bit more in my next article um uh, but but yeah he's definitely playing a, a role with with everything that went down and and that's why i think cash patel is as well because he was named christopher miller's chief of chief of staff right and there's an article that came out um that it was it was late in january of, of 2021 that trump's department of defense you know specifically cash patel he was uh he was kind of they were stonewalling the biden administration about ongoing operations specifically in the special operations realm okay and then so special operations that's ezra cohen watnick that's a regular warfare that's this fourth psyop group i mean there's a lot of hints that something was going on in special operations and all these moves that were being made that there's there's something going on there and then you have the executive order coupled with it that trump released about you know a continuity government plan devolution i mean there's there's just there, there's so much interesting circumstantial evidence i mean it is circumstantial but it's it's still evidence of of, of sorts that there's something going on trump didn't just walk away and a lot of it is is kind of honing in on the special operations group and 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 uh you know some of these key players ezra kohn is one of them oh that's great that you're going to do a deeper uh, uh do, deeper analysis of that in the next articles i can't wait yeah and before we get to what's coming up next i have one more thing to just i just want to show you and ask you if you've i'm not sure if you'd ever linked this um this is it's from 2009 u.s government counterinsurgency guide it's a very interesting document. I'm, I'm sure you've come across this, yeah? Yeah, yeah I, I've seen it. I, I, it was a while ago. Um, okay. Because counterinsurgency is, is something uh, Chris Miller is, is kind of a special specialist in. But you should, you should almost send me that link too. I, it probably wouldn't hurt to go through it after writing this last article because. Uh, sure. You know, oh, absolutely. Some... I'll fire it over. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, my source was actually from post 4008 on the cue boards. It was posted no April of 2020. And they give a little synopsis and it made me think of your article and i went interesting i don't know what's going on with the few <laughs> posts or whatever but uh, there were some interesting things put in there they said irregular warfare is far more varied than conventional conflict hence the importance of an intellectual framework that is coherent enough to provide guidance and flexible enough to adapt to circumstances american counterinsurgency practice rests on a number of assumptions that the decisive effort is rarely military although security is the essential prerequisite for success that our efforts must be directed to the creation of local and national governmental structures that will serve their populations and over time replace the efforts of foreign partners that superior knowledge and that and in particularly understanding that the human terrain is essential and that we must have the patience to persevere in what will necessarily prove long struggles insurgency however can and will flourish in the modern environment so it just keeps going through it it, it just yeah. basically it lays out a lot of what you found in other documents and the, these documents that Trump and whatnot had said. And I thought, wow, that was kind of interesting to me. That's interesting too. Cause I, I've, um, I don't know if you know this, but I, I've, I don't, haven't dug into the Q drops. Like I've, I've seen some, you know, especially when I started writing my articles, like people yeah. after every article, people will send me a new uh, Q drops. Like, Oh man, look how this lines up. But, but I've stayed away from it. And, and, and I used to say like, you know, maybe eventually I'll, I'll dig into them, but I almost don't want to because, I, I want to stay away from the confirmation bias, you know, because yeah. what I have seen, it, it's it's too much of a coincidence again for it to, you know, there, there's something there. Um, but, but I agree. It, but I agree that you you don't need to dive in and go through it. I, I even tell people, I mean, what was some of the last key, for those that believe that it was a true uh, thing with like the last few posts, they were telling you, you know, don't even start. Don't even mention Q. Don't don't yeah. do that. The media already is on to that. 
the they've created that sort of meme in people's heads that it's all just crazy and you know and so don't even you but go to the sources it was basically like just talk about the sources if you go to the sources yeah. and stick to the facts then you don't have to worry about any of that blowback and so then here you are doing your devolution articles and <laughs> really bringing out a lot of the similar themes um in a way where it's just don't even you don't have to go to some obscure anonymous posting on a board somewhere you can yeah. go to the department of defense and read it yourself you can read the executive yeah. order you can and i like that because it's really hard to grab the average person and say hey check out this really secret spy war thing going on this jason Bourne stuff people are like what <laughs> so instead you go oh have you ever heard of like counterinsurgency plans by the military could that factor in i think that's a little bit easier for people for that sure. are just coming into this you know for, for sure. And that, that's when I first started, I mean, I, I didn't know really what I was doing, but I, I knew I found some interesting things. I wanted to show other people and, and kind of lay out my thought process on what's drawn me to these conclusions. But I, I didn't want to do it where like, you know, you see all these people out there writing stuff like because they don't put any sources in there, it, it, it's speculation. And, and I wanted to avoid any possible chance of speculation. And the only time I, I do speculate, I tell you like, OK, this is speculation. I, I don't have the information for this, but based on what I'm seeing with factual stuff, you know, this is why I'm speculating. Uh, but I think it's hard to argue with with anybody who's presenting evidence. I wish more people would would operate that way because, you know, you see so many people out there throwing out so many claims and you see all these people out there talking about their inside sources and, and you know, oh, I can tell you this, but I can't tell you who it came from. Like, how can you trust any of it? But but you, I'm, I'm not even asking you to trust me or what I'm, I'm just, trust trust my body of work. Like you, you can dig into every single rabbit hole that I've ever dug down because I link you to everything I've read, you know, like as I'm going through, this is where I, this is the document I found. This is where I found it. Go read it yourself. And there's people that do it. Like I, I encourage them to, you should question everything. You should even question me and you should question my work, but I take pride in that. It's pretty hard to question my work because it's all there, you know? So that's what I was going for from day one is to make sure nobody could really argue with what I'm talking about, because it's not just a theory. It's, it's like, a, it's a hypothesis based on facts and evidence that's out there. You know, I love it. And I love that you said that that's how I try to operate. I'm not perfect at it. Nobody is. We all get into our thing, but I love that you stay disciplined on that. That's the work we need. That's real media. That's real journalism. That's what we need to do. That's the best way we can fight back against this mockingbird system is to become citizen journalists to be, to get on this mm -hmm. digital battlefield. Cause we are in a war. Uh, this is a world war, world war three. It's not with tanks and guns and all that, at least at mm -hmm. this point, it's with information. It's with, um, meme warfare, social media, the algorithms, uh, you know, the, yep. everything. So this is where it is. And, and if we're going to get out there and try to represent something, we have to become conversant with the facts and you provide boatloads of them to at least give people some hope and give them something else to think about that. Hey, something else could be going on here, uh, than what yeah. we all seeing on the surface. Uh, any final thoughts, Patel, uh, any positive, uh, you know, leave people on a positive note. I'll, I think this was very positive, but any, anything yeah. that you see that is indications of hope that justice will be served, that this is going to be exposed, that this deep state is going to be brought down. Yeah. Well, first of all, based on what, like what you just said, you know, it, our our role in this right now is in an inf information warfare is spreading the information right and it's it's trying to reach the people everybody in our circle we have somebody that's you know either they're apathetic or maybe they are just actual on the left or whatever it is those are the people that need to be reached you know to get us to that critical threshold where something's got to give something's gonna that breaking point right um and so we can have a role in that like you don't have to be super 
you know, every day, like send them a bunch of stuff and try to ram it down their throats. But like when, when it comes to red pilling people or, or waking them up, I always say it's it's like you just plant the seed, let somebody else water it, but but just get them thinking. And so by, by going through my series, you know, you can find a couple of things that you find are compelling just to get people questioning like, hey, why do you think Trump issued this executive order, a, a continuity of government executive order before leaving office? Like, you know, and just like they'll get to thinking, like, do you think Biden is legitimate? Whatever. Eventually they'll dig in on their own and, and people start waking up. So, I mean, everybody has a role to play in this. You don't have to be the one to go out there and, and research and write, but you can still help spread the message. So I think that's very important. And then, you know, to getting involved locally, like General Flynn says, local action, national impact. I think that's important. But but yeah, there's um, I'm, I'm still convinced, like there, there's no doubt in my mind that that devolution was implemented. Like, so that's that's a positive thing. We just don't know how this is going to unfold. Right. And I think based on 2000 mules and what Greg Phillips said in that interview, the fact he even talked to me, I think, is a is a positive sign. Um, I'm not not on the blacklist anymore, but whatever is coming, I think it's going to be a, a big deal. And I think that's going to be a, one of those red lines that we've been waiting for. Like, OK, this is this is going to blow up the narrative like there's no chance of them containing this, whatever it is. And so I'm, I'm excited. So just, you know, keep plugging forward. Don't let the little details like a Sussman not getting an, a guilty verdict bring you down. I mean, there's still so much work we got to do and, and so many things to look forward to. So. Well, thanks for that, man. I'm with you. Uh, we're supporting here in Canada. We're all we're uniting with patriots all over the world. People that love freedom, they want truth and they want justice. That's what we're fighting for. So thanks for your work on the front lines, Patel. Please stay in touch with me. If there's any cool updates, you're welcome back anytime. So many more places we could have gone, but I urge people to go and check out your articles, your videos. Just leave us with all the places that people can find your work. That sounds good, man. Thank you so much, David. Well, let's, let's do this again soon. And, uh, Sorry, what you you want me to tell everybody where to find oh, just work? yeah, your social media is like where are you okay. hanging out? You're on True Social and all that. Like where where yep. can people find you? Okay, True Social, I'm at Patel Patriot. Uh Telegram, it's t.me forward slash Patel Patriot. And then uh my my, my website, devolution.link, that can get you to all my articles and and everything there. So uh, devolution.link, my articles, interviews, um, my power every every Wednesday and Saturday I do my own power hour. Um, and that's at Nine. Love the music, central. by the way. Really good on that. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, that's a nine thirty central, and then every Friday night I do a show with a couple other people um, called the Liberty Den, and and yeah, and so I'm still working on more articles. I got more stuff up my sleeve coming out, and that'll be out hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So maybe Patel I'll come Patriot, back on ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much, man, and thanks to all of you. We'll catch you again soon here on Truth Warrior. I wish you well. Cheers, everybody. demonstration in China comes to a violent and bloody end. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Wolves hiding nearby Whispering do or die Around me
another very important phase of warfare. It has as its target, not the body, but the mind of the enemy. The target of psychological warfare is against the enemy's mind. It is words and ideas. Ammunition used by Cywar. Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldiers. And at the same time, is expected and encouraged to study foreign languages and the social sciences such as history, economics, and sociology. He must have a broad and sympathetic understanding of all phases of human experience. Gripping at my skin, the walls of night closing. But the use of this force as an integral part of combat has now taken on new forms. are the Psy War soldiers. So we often talk about the need to create a parallel economy and get away from giving all of our money to a lot of these big multinational corporations. There are a lot of people out there who still give their money to Walmart, Target, Costco, etc. You know, all those companies that made it away with all your money during the pandemic and didn't have to close down while all the small businesses got totally crushed. Well, sad thing is we give these big corporations our money from cradle to grave. So what if a bunch of us little guys banded together and we all stopped giving these big guys our money? I've actually found a family-owned manufacturer that manufactures 100% of their products in-house in America and Canada and competes with these big box monopolies. This is a family-owned manufacturer that has intentionally built its business model outside of the system that these globalists have created with big box stores, national distribution controls, mainstream media, etc. So what if a bunch of us redirected our existing spending away from these big box corporations over to a family-owned alternative that does it right, makes their own products right from scratch? Think about it. Wouldn't you love to no longer have to rely on these big woke corporations? Now you can make that independence a reality and transfer your hard-earned dollars away from companies that despise our values and give them instead to family-owned, patriot-owned companies that believe in and support freedom. Thanks to patriotswitch.com forward slash truthwarrior. That's patriotswitch.com forward slash truthwarrior.